0: What's going what? what? was on national television and if you're wondering why I'm wearing the toque well you'll figure this out pretty soon afterwards we always say national television and the whole reference is usually about the United States but I said to my American friend Chris how about we look at Canadian crap although the feedback I've been getting from my Canadian friends is that this is not crap what do you think we're looking at the beachcombers the oldest episode I could find
1: yeah. Hey, Kirk. It's uh, good to be on again. Um, yeah. You know what? I didn't think it was crap either. I thought it was cute. I didn't think it was like Emmy Emmy level, you know, American Emmy level television. But I didn't think it, I wouldn't call it crap. But mm-hmm. I will say there's no there's no American equivalent to this type of show. And we I mean we can get more into it. But when I was researching the show before our conversation, I saw that it was sold into syndication into several several different countries. And it's interesting because I was thinking the only place I could see this airing in America is either Saturday morning television, uh, like Mm -hmm. in syndication or on PBS. Because there's no, in this era, the 70s up through the early 90s, there was no show that was this equivalent. You could call it a family sitcom because it had like family friendly, you know, PG humor. Mm -hmm. But most, but all family sitcoms in America were on videotape. Um, And they involved, you know, you know, actual biological family, like mom, dad, kids, Mm -hmm. Um, and shows like Wings and Cheers that were around like sort of a workplace setting or a, you know, a, a, a destination, for lack of a better word, they were they had more saltier adult humor, like Cheers, Wings, as I mentioned, those shows all had saltier adult humor, and this was almost borderline like if this had this was on like the Christian broad, broadcasting network, they don't overtly mention religion except for the trying to scare relic, making him think he's uh, yeah. dead. But this is almost like a an after school special, like oh be a good person. Um, so that's the I could have seen it being an after school special on PBS or Saturday morning TV. That's the only thing. That's the only way I could have seen it airing in the United States.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think the reason that I picked this is I don't exactly, a lot of my Canadian friends have fonder memories of this show than I do. Uh, personally, this is sort of, what when I look, look back as a kid, the way I remembered, and you and I have talked about this before, I can't remember if it was on air or off, where I would look at Canadian television and just for historical reference. So I was born in 72, this episode would have been in 75. So you, the coming of age of, of learning of television not that, I guess, kids today, they don't even think of television, they think of other things, I suppose, uh, in terms of streaming and whatnot, but it would have been the late 70s, early 80s. And then we would have the Canadian shows and the American shows, you know, because like almost mm-hmm. everyone in Canada, you could get 90% of, our, of the population of Canada is within 100 kilometers of the U.S. border. So more okay. often than not, you're get, you were getting the ABCs, CBS, NBCs, like, like I did. We would get them all from Buffalo before, then you get cable. And you're still getting all the Buffalo ones in New York. Uh, so as a kid, I could see, well, there's certainly a difference in terms of production values, acting, just, just every, every little thing there. And this, for me, th- thinking as a Canadian, this is our most successful show because it was that show started in 72 I think lasted until 88 or 90 I remember watching it as a kid just thinking Meh. and then a lot of the feedback I got from my friends when I just put this out over Facebook was oh yeah we remember this don't necessarily remember any episode but it just made me feel Canadian
1: okay which is interesting because it didn't strike me as like particularly canadian i mean i don't i don't even know what that is since i'm not canadian but like i said if i would have encountered this on american television it wouldn't have stood
0: out necessarily except for the tone it wouldn't have been in prime time definitely and and that might be another thing with me right as growing up in the suburbs of hamilton ontario in a a much bigger city now called burlington the adventures of loggers doesn't speak to me either (laughs) I don't know anything about loggage log, log salvaging. I didn't even know that existed. Beyond this show, I still know nothing more about it. I didn't even I don't even know how that's an industry. I guess loggers, the regular loggers are really bad at it, so they keep dropping things. I don't know. okay. i I, I can't really understand it. but i I thought it would be sort of fun to look at this show from my memories and then yours with a completely fresh perspective uh should i just read some of the comments i got on my facebook from some of my canadian friends first before we go any further absolutely all right so uh let me bring some of that up i actually prepped all right so from one of my friends uh i'm assuming because they the the first two they were they're out in bc i imagine they grew up in bc I, i met them when i was working for the train company out in alberta so, and then they were train managers. They, they, they were the train managers of the Rocky Mountaineer. So they're okay. roughly, I think uh, this first lady is a little younger than me. Uh, I love the Beachcombers. Theme song still enters my mind from time to time. Don't remember too much detail about the show, which is sort of a pattern. But I was quite young when it was on the air. And I remember that I liked Jesse. Now, Jesse, you didn't see him. He wasn't on this episode. Uh, Jesse okay. was uh, Nick's partner in this. And it was actually decent casting for its day because Jesse was a first nations person. And in BC, there's a significant amount of that, especially on the coastline. So, uh, and he was Nick's equal. Okay. So it was, uh, I don't know if that, I can't say whether that was like really the first big first nations role for a Canadian in television. Cause we really, really didn't have a lot of television before. before okay. that. Yeah. Uh, So that was just a character that you didn't get to see. I was hoping he would be on this episode. Again, I just picked it because on YouTube specifically, this was season four episode, sorry. Yeah, season four, episode four, I think. Uh, Relics, Invisible Relic. And that was the oldest full episode I could find. Okay. so We ran with that. Uh, So anyway, so going on here, uh, not a lot to watch when growing up. So many of us Canadian, so many of the Canadian shows were familiar. My class took a tour of CBC Studios when I was in grade one. Bruno Gerussi, who was the star who played uh, Nick, made a point mm-hmm. of stepping in and saying hello to all of us. That's pretty damn cool. You know, because he sure as hell didn't have to do that. Uh, I think before I go any further, uh, Canada, the Canadian channels in the early 70s also had to, had to play Canadian content. Uh, in 72 or 73, I might be off on the year. That is when the Canadian government under uh, Pierre Trudeau, um uh, said that we're gonna develop our own culture and the best way to do that is to make all Canadian stations, radio and television do might be off on the percentage thirty three or forty percent, I think forty percent Canadian content. So that's I guess probably why I said uh, Jesse might have been one of the first main first Nations characters because I don't think there was a whole lot of produced Canadian television before that. They would just buy American it wasn't film. that. Wasn't that a rule for
1: radio, too? Because I yes. thought I've heard, yeah, they, yes. uh, a certain percentage had to be Canadian artists played on radio.
0: Right. And it's it did generate, event. it took it, it took its time because, you know, you'd be hearing the same Ann Murray and Gordon Lightfoot songs over and over, <laughs> but it forced Canadian music to get good. It also gave you Bieber. Sorry about that. but
1: <laughs> But there was, there was. I mean, I'm always surprised at how many actors and musicians I found that, find out that I thought were American are actually Canadian, like Brian Adams and mm-hmm. Rush, and even John Candy. Like I, you know, so there's no Michael J. Fox. There's no shortage of Alanis Morissette. There's no shortage mm-hmm. of talent.
0: Yeah, uh, there there certainly there certainly is, but it gave a lot of them start. Actually, Michael J. Fox started starred in a Canadian show called Leo and Me. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we got to start there, Alanis, and as I think you and I talked about the show, you can't do that on television, right? Uh, So there's Canada. Dave Coulier was Dave Coulier from Full House. Was he on that show? I mean, was he Canadian? Oh, he's Canadian. I I don't. I don't know if he had a show prior to that. Uh, I don't know. uh... Well, the only
1: the only real way I know him is I thought he was on Full House, and then also I thought he was the subject of. you ought to know by Alanis Morrison. Like she, she actually has I don't know if she ever like formally confirmed it, but mm-hmm. it was sort of like she didn't deny it when, when an interviewer asked her.
0: Yeah, it's, it it's takes a little bit bit of uh I don't I don't want to say that. You can't it's hard to watch full house again when you know that that's the one she was going down on you in a theater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first comment uh from another gentleman uh another train manager bruno was awesome uh met him and he was very cool he also hosted a cooking show and wrote cookbooks the show was a little slice of canadiana kind of corny but endearing molly's reach and gibson's is still there and he included a picture of that Uh, uh the gentleman who included that he's definitely from bc great guy and actually i just learned that molly's they actually converted that into a cafe after it was it was, it was a hard work oh start. really yeah uh if wikipedia is to be believed so i thought that was pretty interesting friends let's see another comment ah from my other canadian friend who now lives in japan at times it was the only thing on i remember it fondly now only in retrospect as something comfortably canadian it wasn't bad it just didn't speak to me uh uh, this individual he's he grew up in kingston ontario so he, much like me it's not like what do we know about loggers nothing uh then he talked about some other shows he remembered uh, flipper well, well flipper was american wasn't it but then he then he closes off with sorry i'm off topic that darned relic he fouls up everything <laughs> which is pretty much what relic always did that's the only thing i really remember to that show was that nick was the good one and relic always caused mischief. I remembered nothing else. Uh, from one of my good friends, loved the Beachcombers when I was in BC. I could have made my way out to Gibson's. Sorry, that didn't happen. Uh, and then from another one, uh, I Brad Nelson, who now is one of my co-hosts on How the Hell Did This Go? Number one. I remember watching it on occasion, though gun to my head. I couldn't tell you the plot of any show. I've also been to Molly's Reach, and it's pretty damn good. So a lot of positive, but nothing specific. Okay. So, quite a bit of nostalgic for, and I think for a lot of us, when we get older, just for simpler times. And this was simpler yeah. times in Canada. I don't think there was any truckers uh, holding, holding that area hostage. I'm not, and I'm not <laughs> making a political comment one way or the other, yeah. making a, an attempt at a joke for anyone worried about what wing I'm on. I'm wingless. The, the, the
1: world was a less volatile place where it seemed to be.
0: Well, certainly in this show, it was. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, and then I looked at some of the comments too from this actual episode on YouTube. So I thought that might be sort of worth uh, looking at first too. And again, it's much of the same thing from my friends who commented to me. Uh, Excellent upload. And actually, that's not really anything here. And mostly, it's just really the same thing. Just nobody really seems to remember too much of this other than these are great memories from when you were a kid. Uh, and I guess I just, it's, it's the cynic in me. I never got into the show, couldn't couldn't get into it. I remember my brother, who was much older than me, he was stationed in a Canadian Forces base called Alerts, which I don't think is there anymore. It's been repurposed. So it was like right, it was actually closer to the North Pole than the Arctic Circle. That's how far north it was. So oh, wow. yeah, so they would, so CBC would send entertainment. And they keep sending the beachcombers, and he wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> As I'm sure a lot of uh, alpha male army guys really don't want to sit back and watch family entertainment. Yeah. Which, which this was. Uh, should we uh, dissect the episode? Sure. Let's get into it. Okay. So, like, like I said, this was, uh, again, the oldest one I could find. If we ever do another Canadian show, I, I already know which one it's going to be. Have you ever heard of the hilarious House of Frightenstein?
1: No, I haven't.
0: Okay. Uh, someone I've just got acquainted with on Facebook actually wrote a whole book about that show. It was just something they shot for the local Hamilton Channel that existed. I think there's still only one, and it's and it's just comedy meeting all the monsters. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's corny as all hell, and it just it's still awesome today. What, what sounds like
1: uh, that movie that abbott and costello did when they stumbled on dracula's castle or whatever
0: it probably could have been very well uh Inspired I'm, by it, it. It, it, I'm sure it was yeah they made like they cranked out like a hundred episodes shot them all in like four months and they got they the only thing they really paid for was vincent price to fly in and do a couple to do some of the intros
1: Wow, well, people credit Tyler Perry with that model for shooting 100 episodes all at one time, but apparently not. Apparently it was done before Tyler Perry.
0: Yeah, well, there you go, Team Canada. Every now yeah. and then you come up with something. So the title of this, It's Invisible Relic, uh, aired in September of 1976, uh, starts with the opening music. Uh, what do you What do you think of this opening theme here? It's It's very unique, don't you think?
1: I don't. Honestly, I don't remember the opening music.
0: Ah! Blasphemous!
1: Were there lyrics or was it just no. an instrumental?
0: Yeah, It's just a, an instrumental that was you know, very peppy and upbeat and starring Bruno Gerusi. Uh, I never really did understand this, uh, how guy who's Italian played a Greek guy, but whatever. I, well, the Wikipedia entry, I... I read. I don't know if they were refer, referring
1: to the character or the actor that said he was of Greek and Italian heritage. So maybe.
0: Oh, okay. I, I, because I, when I was reading that whole thing, I mean, I and I, I did have a few flashbacks. He kept referencing his Greek heritage, he, like even they did in this episode. But I don't believe. Okay. I don't believe Bruno is Greek at all.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: but all the way Canadian.
1: Well, in America, it's just common for actors to play cross-cultural it's just not you yeah. know it's not looked at as unusual
0: well again we're putting on our 2022 hats and uh well uh-huh. i put on a relic hat but <laughs> it, it's something i never would have gave a, a minute's look probably up until 20 maybe 2017 18 i just, you know don't think okay about it. now you sort of do i can't watch an old mash episode even now just thinking wait a minute that's a japanese actor know
1: okay i don't know if i've ever sat through an entire episode of mash but i oh i know i know all the major characters i just don't know that i could tell you the plot of one episode
0: yeah i that that's i love mash i did one of my articles i wrote on the website was 11 drunken observations on mash but that's that's neither here nor there uh so i mean your, your standard opening uh for that everything sort of was in the 70s you just get a little clip of all the characters uh you don't necessarily it it was a little bit different that because a lot of those the shows sort of had lyrics and maybe you kind of knew what the show was about here you don't know anything but you do see a lot of logs lots and lots Mm -hmm. of logs uh start first scene starts off with an older guy in a storm uh his engine sort of died and he's gibbering up to the or help me god don't kill me here because yeah so we learned this is McCloskey. Now, apologies to Beachcombers fans. I don't remember and I couldn't figure out if this was a regular character. No clue. But he's Scottish and he's in trouble. And Relic shows up in his boat and says he's gonna help him for 50 bucks. Which right. 50 bucks and 76. I mean, I know our dollar isn't what your dollar is, but well, that would be that would be a lot
1: for a per, today for a person stranded. If you, mm-hmm. if you told them you would only help them for 50 bucks, that yeah. would be a lot, especially because people don't carry cash. I mean, you could cash chat some, yeah. but it would, it would be a lot.
0: Cash app. Dude. That, yeah. I, I do a lot of PayPal stuff now. I had to try to explain that to my dad the other day, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anywho, uh, Relic, uh, he, he's not a good Samaritan. He just leaves that person there and says, well, I'll come back in an hour. Uh, he comes back to uh I guess Gibson's where, where this is, and well the, there's not much of a storm going on there, maybe they didn't really I know yeah. <laughs> well, well, so be it. Margaret, the little girl on the show that's the granddaughter of Molly uh is collecting is collecting for the dead sailors fund uh she finds Smitty of course, there's a character named Smitty and uh you know smitty's sort of happy to donate relic is coming up and uh molly who's the good samaritan says well you know maybe uh ask relic anyway and relic says uh, what does a dead sailor need with money kind of true i suppose but there's spouses and whatnot i mean it's 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 a good it's a good uh thing to sort of do but we definitely know our lines of good and evil but on this show it's good and Unscrupulous. Safety yeah, solid. or
1: relic. Just the way they portrayed Relic seemed like he was more just curmudgeonly, not mm-hmm. so much evil or unscrupulous, but just kind of, you know, what's the word? Uh, kind of like Larry on um, curve Your Enthusiasm, Larry David on Curb Your Enthusiasm, mm-hmm. just uh, misanthropic. That's the word I was looking for. Just not, just not a, just not a people person.
0: Yeah.
1: more just kind of concerned with himself.
0: Uh, incidentally, so the gentleman who played him, Robert Clothier, uh, so Robert Clothier and Bruno Gerussi, they did a lot of, uh, of, uh, acting in, uh, Stratford. Okay. Uh, it, like, you know, uh, Stratford in, uh, Ontario.
1: Talk- are you talking about Shakespeare acting yes. or- okay.
0: Yeah. So you can kind of tell that's one of the notes I, I sort of wrote down that these two guys could definitely do well on the stage and they did because okay. these are, they, they're, they're the only two who are able to play around with their voices, just use their arms for everything, just play act a little bit where the other ones are just, they're not actors. You know, so just little things that I was sort of trying to pick up on.
1: Yeah, more, more grandiose gestures.
0: But I've heard,
1: yeah. I've heard theater actors in America say that when they do TV and movies, they're told to tone it
0: down. Maybe they so were. So it's
1: interesting, yeah.
0: You know, because in comparison to, you know, just the other ones were just children, other people who never acted in anything else. Um, Yeah. There might have been that disconnect from that. And, you know, as I've just realized, I'm doing that with my hands. I mean, I do talk with my hands a lot. So I'm sure there was, that might have happened with the producers here. I didn't even look into the directors, producers, but I'm sure you're right. Or as I like to say, going back to a previous episode, because I like callbacks, Viola davis sing it. <laughs> yeah. Which, which for newer listeners just is uh where and again I love Viola Davis. One of the greatest actresses I've ever seen. Period. She mm-hmm. just doesn't have to prove it in every scene.
1: Yeah. A ru- a running commentary here in America is if you're crying and you have snot running down your nose and you're doing a Viola Davis. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cuz I think it was F- Fences the one she won the Oscar for that she mm-hmm. had she was crying and had not running down her nose.
0: Oh, really? Okay, I'll have to watch. Talk that about la- that. Yeah,
1: talk about lack of uh, lack of concern with glamour.
0: That's another reason why she's so awesome. Yeah, just, even that first us uh, first. Uh, what was the show? Not Scandal. That was. Yeah. Oh,
1: mur- murder! Murder! Yeah, how to Get Away yeah. with Murder.
0: Just the, the yeah, yeah. That one scene in that first episode where she's just taking off her wig, her eyelashes, just just powerful shit. I can't verbally do it justice so i won't and i'll continue uh all right we also know that relic oh, here's another note i wrote we also know that relic is presented as a buffoon because as he's walking they've got the dopey piano music going yeah. uh, uh molly uh tells relic oh you'll get your just rewards and he says yes i'll agree for mccloskey in 40 minutes <laughs> uh, Nick, the hero of the show shows up uh, in and later on and he's got the boat, uh, but he's got McCloskey's boat, but there's no McCloskey. Well, Relic is pissed because he had a deal. He was going to make some money and ask where he is. And then Nick just says, don't know. I guess he's down there implying uh, that he's dead. That's all he could find uh relic doesn't pick up on a lot of cues right away because nick would obviously nick the great guy of the show should have been a lot more worried about it but he wasn't right so yeah but minor plot hole whatever uh so relic goes out because he's freaking out and that's where where i had him sort of like where i mentioned he's kind of uh hamming it up just a little bit and he's uh he takes off looking looking for mccloskey Meanwhile, back at the restaurant, uh, we find out that, uh, well, he's not, he's not, McCloskey's obviously not dead. You know, Nick's got some kind of plan, but he doesn't really have a plan as of yet, which is, I guess, another plot hole I didn't really realize until now. They didn't decide to give Relic his his, uh, carmuffins up until later, but so be it. Uh, Here's something maybe you you didn't know. Uh, The constable there, you know what his character name was? No, I don't. Constable John Constable. <laughs> Those last name was Constable. Oh my God. And if you didn't know that this, this was a Canadian show, they're all having, they're not having beer because that would be not G or PG. They're having donuts and coffee. And to yeah. be fair, to be fair, uh, two weeks from now, I'm moving, two weeks from today, I'm moving back to Canada and I cannot wait to go to Tim Hortons for donuts and coffee. Which
1: Tim Hortons has become as ubiquitous as Starbucks in United in the United States. Has it?
0: Okay, because I, I know that it, yeah. it got to the U.S. You're you're in Columbus. I, I don't think it, gotten to the su- to much to the south, but I saw but in Ohio, I guess it's. Yeah, I
1: I, I don't know about the rest of, you know the mm-hmm. the, country, but the Midwest region. Yeah, it's pretty common. Okay. Tim Hortons. In fact, there's probably more Tim Hortons than Starbucks, if that's possible.
0: There's more Tim Hortons than anything else in Canada. Or is it Subway? I don't know. Eh. I'll count them when I drive from Toronto to Winnipeg. Uh, Anywho, so Nick decides, well, maybe this is the time that maybe they can get him. And then he tells a story about we're going to send him to Coventry. Uh, The other grandkid, uh, that was Huey. I forgot all about him. Uh, Huey says, like, uh, Coventry in England? Well, no, that would be far more sinister. That would be something really cool, but that's not the Canadian way in the 70s. You see, they're just going to basically pretend that he's dead. Just kind of juvenile and silly. Did you ever play pretend that as a kid, or just like you're trying to get back at somebody, and then he also okay, we're just going to pretend like we're like, like you're dead. I I didn't try to play a prank on on
1: someone pretending they were dead, but I do remember distinctly one time trying to, or pre- pretending that I was blind, like I had went blind. Mm. I don't know why, I thought maybe it would get me attention and yeah, it did not work. <laughs> uh
0: Didn't get you any, any extra Valentines, huh?
1: No, no, all I did was <laughs> just bump into things.
0: Yeah, I was uh, joking with my wife, because uh, we're, we're struggling to see if we can get our dog back on the plane, because Air Canada is being a lot, lot tougher. I thought, maybe I can pretend I'm blind, with my Seeing Eye Corgi, no, well, that probably wouldn't work. I, th- I thought it. Um, I don't
1: know how it is in with Canadian airlines or, or Canadian customs, but I think in the U.S., all you have to do is just say it's a service dog. I don't think you have to produce like proof that
0: it's. You I know, don't you know. You have a disability. I, I think they've got they've cracked down on that because a lot of people were taking advantage of that when they're not okay really service or emotional support dogs. I'm tr- I'm, I guess, very much like Nick. I'm trying to do this completely legally. Okay. Where I have to go, go full on relic. <laughs> but, but I think it's gonna work out. Okay. Uh, so relic shows up, and then they're 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 instituting their plan, and then I, I, I sort of relic's not really falling for. it. He's just more annoyed. And then I always wrote down like, why didn't they do this the same thing that I would do when I was a kid? Really, if I'm dead, then how come I'm touching you? he never did that but whatever uh relic's asking for coffee he doesn't get any uh they're keeping the whole shtick up uh saying well we're not looking for relic but because of his conscience you know just didn't have one and then relic says i have no conscience which we later learned that he he pretty much does and then makes a a joke i never understood goes back to the booth and says like uh you have to serve me because the cop is there constable constable I hope to be mm-hmm. served. It's illegal because of race, creed, or conscience. Isn't that right, Flatfoot? I've never understood why that's an insult for a cop.
1: Yeah, I think it has something to do with um, they did they did so much. Well, at least this is what I've heard for um, American cops is that mm-hmm. they were known to have done so much foot patrol that it like lowered the arches or destroyed the arches on their feet. So that's where I heard that it came from
0: not really all that insulting so you did your job well it's like me making fun of my dad who was a car painter used this used the spray gun for isn't that right Mr. Arthritis <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> but uh it got upset Mr. Constable but whatever uh Constable though says well you know what uh I, I I've gotta go do the unthinkable I, oh wait no I, I fast forwarded here uh, boy comes, uh, Huey comes back, says the boat's gone and not even Smitty has seen Relic. Relic uh, sort of like takes off because now he's really worried because he should be, his boat's gone. He never actually did say like, you assholes stole my boat. Right. That's, it's not a, man, you know, Relic's handling this a little bit better than I would, but that's just me. Uh, Smitty pretends that he doesn't see him, runs back in the restaurant Uh, they're continuing the shtick nick and the gang constable says they've got to do the unthinkable and look for relic and nobody wants to help and then he uses his non-existent deputy deputy powers to deputize huey like okay sure so they go out uh then i wrote down more stupidness ensues relic uh, then decides to serve himself and molly says nick the stew is floating right through the air Relic's not really falling for it because he says, sarcastically, oh, well, so I'm invisible, blah, blah, blah. Nick calls in plan B. Oh, I guess, I, at this point, I would have given up on this whole thing. I would have gone with it, but whatever, that's just me. Uh, Nick's, Nick says, oh, Relic must be a ghost and he's in the in-between world or whatever. I am mean, that's not what he said, but.
1: Yeah, he's in Bruce Willis' Sixth Sense territory.
0: Yeah, it's a, can't really watch that movie again once huh? you know the big twist at the end. Uh, relic holds a spoon, and the young Margaret screams, and Bruno continues with his Shakespearean dialogue. Meanwhile, we go back on the water, and this is the most logical thing said. Huey says, You know, wouldn't it have been more convincing using a police boat. Constable responds with a lot more logic. Well, then I could be fired for using police resources on this. You're literally doing police resources now, by right leaving you're you're not in the town you're just on you're out there doing a prank you're, playing,
1: you're helping play a prank on someone yeah
0: yeah so yeah well, okay i found a found in later episodes uh just the opening things went because it was the same character so his you know you know they have like starring so-and-so starring so-and-so and well the guy who played the constable got starring his name i forget his name and his clip was somebody running over his feet and him going ah you know like so clearly he was a, not exactly the most competent individual. I think if you and I ever decide we're going to go do a crime spree, that's where we're going to go do it.
1: Yeah. So that, that's, you know, that's an age old trope, the Keystone cops, the bumbling cops that can't, mm-hmm. can't fight crime,
0: obviously. Yeah. They're either corrupt or incompetent. Sometimes both.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And sometimes in real life they are. So there you go. Not trying to offend all cops. You know that every profession has them.
1: Send emails to Kurt Buckner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, send your hate mail at kirk.bochner at not uh, Okay. Yeah, why not? Uh, I have gotten hate mail before, actually. Have you really? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, for actually, yeah, the biggest one was rank saying that Tim Duncan was a better basketball player than Kobe Bryant.
1: Oh, which okay. I still
0: maintain. I think actually it was a death threat.
1: Oh my god!
0: Yeah, or could be perceived as such, but so be it. People take sports seriously. That was actually before Kobe passed. That I ha- that I said that. So that's why I said people yeah. just take sports. Period. So do seriously. I, but not to the point where if anyone disagrees with me on an opinion, I'm going to wish death or scabies upon them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you don't agree with me. Tell me why. Because I can tell you why I have this. Well, either way, I've, I've gotten off topic again. Okay, so back at the house, uh, Nick is uh, Nick is using more hocus pocus. They're coming down the stairs. Margaret's got a sheet on holding a candle. Uh, Relic blows out the candle. He's more annoyed than believing any of this. But I'll, I'll give this guy his acting chops. I'll give it to him. He's doing all these facial expressions to make it look like, oh, this is bullshit. But maybe. Yeah. Did, they, did you get that vibe too, Chris?
1: Yeah, I thought they they struck the right tone because mm-hmm. it would have just been completely unbelievable if he would have been like totally spooked out, like, oh my God, I'm dead and mm-hmm. I don't I don't know it, or I'm, you know, I'm caught in purgatory. I can't, you know. And uh mm-hmm. if he would have just been completely the the opposite, like you said, like touching people and being a total dick about it that would have been too far to the other extreme. So I thought it was just the right balance of hmm. he's annoyed and knows they're pranking him, but also there's that little, oh my God, am I really, you know, am I really just in my like that? What yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, Macla- uh, Macla- uh, Relic leaves, no- leaves annoyed, goes back into his houseboat where he lives. Man, what a depressing place to live that looked like, huh?
1: Yeah. Looked like a shack, basically.
0: Yeah. Makes you wonder what he would have used that 50 bucks for. (laughs) Not furniture, apparently. Clothes. Yeah. Or anything. Okay. Uh, McCloskey comes down the stairs, said he'd rather eat, so he's not exactly presented as somebody who's super intelligent either. Uh, Gang comes out, uh, the boat comes back, and they're carrying a body bag. Uh, Relic, again, he's he's got that acting like, well, I know that's not really me, but, but what? No, it's not me. Uh, Nick says they should say something. Constable says, well, I guess a police report will do. <laughs> uh, and they're carrying it like it's a funeral procession. Uh, McCloskey comes out uh, confronting Relic, and he's just like, with they just put seaweed, seaweed. all over him. Yeah. Like, uh, McCloskey, is that you? Because uh, I think at this point, he sort of forgot that maybe he forgot all about McCloskey. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then they all laugh. It was a little lame, but so be it. But Relic is just because you can't have him be a totally bad guy. He drops a bunch of cash on purpose as he runs into his houseboat shack. House shack. Let's call it a houseboat shack. Which uh, Nick says, okay, it's going to the Sailor's Fund. And cue to credits.
1: Now, I couldn't... The way he the way uh relic dropped the money i was confused by that i wasn't sure if he was like trying to like oh i'm not really giving you this money it like i'm trying to pretend it fell out of my pocket was that was that the
0: i, I think so because uh because uh, then if he if he did if he hands the money then he's doing a good deed if it just like pretends to do that then but he knows that he's doing it okay we know he's trying to do something good but he can't acknowledge that he's doing something good okay okay so I mean he's he's an unlikable person, but he but he's not an unsavorable person. I think we know that if he really thought McCloskey was gonna die, he would have helped him out.
1: Right, right.
0: But he thinks he can make some bucks off of it. Yeah. Which again, he doesn't and use for like, anything. <laughs> and like
1: or and like you said, it's not like he was living in the lap luxury. So he's either just cheap. He either has money and he doesn't spend it or he doesn't have money. So it's sort of understandable where he'd be trying to get money wherever he can.
0: And yeah, so that's why I had to find, the closest thing I had to hat. it's actually, it's the New Orleans Saints thing. So I had to like dig through it because obviously I don't have much use for winter clothes here, but I will very quickly.
1: Yeah, yeah. We just had, uh, here in the Midwest, we just had, we were calling it Snowmageddon a huge hmm. snowstorm that it wasn't just the Midwest. I think it was the East and parts of the Southeast as well. Just really? huge. Yeah. I got snowed in for a couple of days. My car wouldn't move. There was just ice oh, oh, really, caked right? around my yeah. tires. Yeah.
0: I just realized I did the A. I did the Canadian A. I said, oh, really? Eh? <laughs> 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 we'll see how much of that sort of gets picked back up on. Uh, so yeah. final thoughts on the beachcombers. Is this, does this seem like this would have been the show that w- is one of the most successful in Canadian history?
1: Well, I don't know the history of Canadian television. So and I don't remember, you know, we were talking offline. I don't remember if I said this when we were, had started uh, recording yet, but the thing that strikes me about Curious, that strikes me as curious about The Beachcombers is not the fact that it's Canadian, because it wouldn't have stood out to me as Canadian if I had seen it during its run. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that the tone is so um, off from anything, or unusual, I should say, from anything in America, Um, as I was saying before, shows that are like sort of ensemble comedies that are on film in America are a little, not exactly raunchy, but it's like more adult. And you wouldn't have had a little kid or or a a, a child. If you had the child, the child would have been kind of like mature beyond their years and foul mouth. And if it was a straight out family sitcom, it would have been shot on videotape. Right. So it did not surprise me that this aired on PBS because it struck me as either P- something that would be on PBS or Saturday morning syndication. It would not have been in primetime in America because mm-hmm. it's, too, it's too goody-goody um, to be a regular primetime show for adults, but it's not quite a family show. So it's not, a, it's not a family sitcom or family drama like Eight is Enough. It's its own little genre that would not really have had a place on American TV.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, uh, the other thing too, uh, while I'm sort of thinking about that, they're, they're just Bruno's Bruno Drew, is just such a likable person. I thought that before I sort of got the firsthand account from some of my friends that, you know, it's not like we ever sat down, uh, had a beer and talked about the beachcombers. Usually we were talking okay. about the train that came in, uh, or, or something like that, uh, one of the people mentioned that Bruno had a cooking show and He did, that was actually another long lasting show in Canada, Uh, it was celebrity chefs. So kind of a precursor to what has been going on. I don't know if anyone did that before. So he would cook along with a celebrity, other Canadian celebrity or an American celebrity or some celebrity that's incidentally the last time Bob Crane from Hogan's Heroes ever appeared on camera.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, so Canada really is a forerunner because I mean, you would see maybe cooking segments on like morning TV, like Good Morning Mm -hmm. America. But until, like you said, this recent explosion of like foodie TV, that was that was not a thing at all in Mm -hmm. America until the the two thousands.
0: Yeah. So I mean, it was. I kind of felt really. I had to question my own cynicism, but I I had to remember where it was coming from. That was sort of like when I was much younger. I thought, you know, maybe that's sort of the industry I want to go into like behind the scenes, which obviously I never did. You, you however, did, uh, you know, with, with your film. You're talking about time. film and television?
1: You're yeah. talking about film and television?
0: Okay. Yes, yeah. Actually, it's a great time. I about... For a
1: minute there, I thought you were saying you wanted to be a chef. But... No, God, <laughs> no. No, okay.
0: no, the only thing I can make, oh, I'm actually much better than I used to be, but Pop-Tarts and craft Dinner. Uh, but no, <laughs> no, I, I thought, you know, maybe in television in some form, uh, not 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 as an actor or anything like that, but.
1: I was. So you, thought, wanted be, you wanted to be, but you be behind the camera, or you said you didn't, you didn't want to be an actor.
0: Uh, I, I, I kicked. I wanted to be. I wanted to get into screenwriting. I still do. Maybe at some point. I've, I've got a few things that I could, I'll, might bounce off you of later on. Yeah, there, there's,
1: there's no screenwriting is something you can do at any age. I mean, it's not like you're trying to go become the next Michael J. Fox or, or whatever. So I mean, And I'm taller than him.
0: I can't say that about many.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah as long, as long as you have good ideas screenwriting is evergreen
0: yeah so I guess we got to figure out what we're doing next week now it goes back to to, to you you're going to tell me or next week or whenever that might be because we're not we don't do this weekly we just do this whenever yeah yeah we
1: yeah well if, if you want to I don't know if you want to have me say it now but I definitely have an idea what you got yeah, I would love to look at that 80s show. It was a spinoff of that 70s show. Oh, and since yeah. we're both, yeah, yeah, yeah since yeah. we're both Gen X, we're no longer kids, but you can say we're, we were, we're Gen X kids. Mm. That was a very, very short-lived, disastrous spinoff.
0: I'm sure we and,
1: can find that, yeah. Yeah, every, everyone of our generation who saw it was like, this is like the most uh, ridiculous, um, they're taking the most extremes from the '80s, like you know, multicolored mo- mohawks mm. and um, ne- neon-colored clothes, and it doesn't—it doesn't translate. Like how that '70s show had some stuff from the '70s, like the mm-hmm. the decor of the house and like the you know the flip hair hairstyles and everything, yeah. but it wasn't so over the top that it seemed buffoonish or yeah, it's it. too over the top. Yeah, okay.
0: uh, maybe we can get that done before before I move. So.
1: Yeah, if, I, I haven't looked, I haven't tried to find it on YouTube, okay. but I would imagine it's out there somewhere.
0: If if not, though, the one I was kicking around to was the Gilligan, the Harlem Globetrotters go on Gilligan's Island.
1: Oh, I'd never even heard of that. Wow. That we could do that if we can't find that 80s show or if we do find that 80s, yeah. we could do that next then after. The yeah, next so that,
0: that was something I thought was more of a more of a take on just how the Harlem Globetrotters seemed to be everywhere at one point in time in yeah. my youth.
1: Yeah. They had the, they had the cartoons Mm -hmm. at one point.
0: And then they went to Gilligan's Island and played robots. Wow. Yeah. When their coach was Scatman Crothers. If that's not a time capsule, I don't know what is.
1: Oh my God. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. We have to do that.
0: All right. So uh, before we go, uh, Chris, uh, it's Oscar season and you've got a documentary out that I saw that you forgot to submit
1: yeah um what so, it yeah, is. Lady, so, yeah so lady wrestler is a documentary about the black women who integrated pro wrestling in the 1950s mm-hmm. so i'm wondering if it was like a freudian slip that i forgot to submit it to the oscars because it's like i can say oh yeah i forgot not that i was rejected or or didn't make the uh short list so yeah and i and i i'm sort of like i don't know if i should have even shared that on social media because it was like i'm trying to like be vulnerable vulnerable, and show like what the process is when you're a creative person, you know, the highs and lows. But um, yeah, I was like, okay, is this first world problems whining or is it actually showing people that, hey, we all go through disappointments and some of them are self-inflicted?
0: Or, well, let's just look at it this way. This is a plug to watch a really cool documentary and you don't have to be a wrestling fan to get into it. That's cool. how we'll take it. Cool, and it's on
1: Amazon Prime Video. Well, not not Prime in the sense that uh, you get it; it comes with your membership, but you can rent it or buy it.
0: Yep, yeah. So I encourage everyone to do that. And since you're gonna be on Amazon anyway, I wrote a book. Hey, Chavo yes. Guerrero, instant classic. So, awesome little, book. Yeah, a little bit of uh self promotion from us both. Uh, with that, we'll see you all uh, when we see you. Stay safe, everybody, wherever you may be.